God is good all the time. Amen? Yes. All the time, God is good. My name is A.K. Kuravilla. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at Bay City Fellowship. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7, and we'll look at verses 7 through 11. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. For some of us, prayer is like the national anthem before a football game. It gets things started, and it has nothing to do with what goes on the next three hours on the field. Some of us have ignorance as far as prayer is concerned. The story is told of a couple of people who were not really churched, uh, but they were discussing prayer. And um, one of the they, they talked about prayer and what it looked like, etc. And then one of the friends challenged the other friend. They said, hey, do you know the Lord's Prayer? He said, I sure do. I really don't think you do. I bet you don't know the Lord's Prayer. He said, I do. I said, all right. Well, you recite the Lord's Prayer and I'll give you a $20 bill if that's right. So he said, all right, let's go. So he started. Now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the God my soul to take. The friend smiled. He took his $20 bill and gave it to him. I didn't know you need the Lord's Prayer. There are all kinds of ideas of prayer floating around. Uh, or like the little third grader who knew about persistent prayer. Uh, his dad tucked him in bed. And uh, as he was walking away, he heard him say, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. So his dad wondered what was going on, didn't ask him anything. Uh, went, went, went away, and then next morning when he woke up, he asked him, son, you were saying Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. What's going on? He said, dad, yesterday we had a test. And the question was, what's the capital of Mexico? And then I realized I got it wrong. So I was just persistently praying that it might be Tokyo. <laughs> so all kinds of ideas floating around. What does Jesus have to say about prayer? He does have a thing or two to say about prayer. So we looked at one, which is his model prayer that he taught his disciples in chapter 6. And today he is going to talk about prayer that is persistent. Asking, seeking, knocking. For something and we'll find out what it is. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? So what is this passage talking about? A quick look at it uh, highlights a few things. For example, every verse here has this word, ask in it. Every verse. Ask and it'll be given to you. Verse 8. Everyone who asks receives. Um, verse 9. When his son asks for a loaf, asks for a fish, uh, who asks him, the heavenly father. Verse 11. 
And so asking and then receiving as well is what is talked about in every verse. There is asking and receiving. So this repetition, obviously, anytime something is repeated, you say, okay, I get the gist. This is what it's all about. So Jesus is saying something about asking and receiving from the Father. Now, what is asking the Father for what? Well, verse 11 tells us, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So this is all about asking and receiving from the Father in heaven that which is good. That's what it's all about. Another interesting thing uh, that we find is uh, if we compare chapter 6 verses 19 through 34 and 7, 1 through 11, uh, there is a pattern that's uh, very interesting to watch. For example, both those passages begin with an exhortation. Uh, verse uh, 19 of chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, likewise, in, verse, uh, in chapter 7, verse, verse 1, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And then that is followed by a parable of the eye. So if you look at uh, verse 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body, so when, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light, etc. Then there is a reference to the eye here in verses 3 and 4. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not, not notice the log that is in your own eye, etc.? So there's a pattern. And then, following that, there is a one-verse parable in both these sections. Verse 24, chapter 6. No one can serve two masters, God and mammon, or God and money. And here, um, verse 6 of chapter 7. Do not give what is holy to dogs. He talks about dogs and pigs, uh, talking about discernment. And then follows the rest of it, in both these sections, are encouragement. Verses 25 through 34, Jesus encourages his disciples to do not worry. Why? Because your heavenly Father cares for you. And here he says, the encouragement, if you've heard all this stuff and it's fine, you're finding the sermon difficult to hear, here's encouragement. Ask, and your heavenly Father will give you good gifts. So what we are seeing here is encouragement coming from Jesus about our freedom to ask our heavenly Father who will give good gifts to us. So beginning in chapter 5, it's been a tough sermon after all. I mean, you know, uh, Jesus has painted a picture of what kingdom life looks like. He started with the blessedness of it. Then he went on to expound on the law of Moses. And then he, he had a series of, you shall, you have heard, but I say unto you. So that kind of a pattern you find. You shall not commit adultery, you have heard, but I say to you, uh, you have heard, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, you have heard, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you. So he's been talking about all these different things, saying this is what you've heard, 
but I'm telling you something. It's much greater than all of that. Very hard sermon to hear. If you were to sit and listen to this, it would be very hard. So Jesus has encouragement for us in verses 7 through 11 that we just now read. So let's just go down that. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Now, that ask there is not just a one-time thing. Uh, Literally, it can be translated, keep on asking. Keep on asking. And it shall be given to you. That means it's passive. Somebody is going to give it to you. So they would call it a divine passive. In other words, it means this. Ask and God will give it to you. That's the idea. Ask and God will give it to you. It shall be given to you. Now, asking and giving is a very common theme in in, in all of the Bible. I'll just highlight a few verses uh, just to remind uh, ourselves of what we find across the pages of Scripture. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. In Zechariah 10.1, asks rain from the Lord at the time of the spring rain, the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain, vegetation the field to each man. Then you have Hannah, for example, asking uh, for her son Samuel. For this boy I prayed, we read in 1 Samuel 1, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. Asking and giving is a very common theme. Or think about Solomon, 1 Kings 3.5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. So asking and giving, uh, asking is our prerogative. Giving is God's prerogative. Now, this ask has already been dealt with in the previous chapter where Jesus, for example, taught his disciples to pray. And he told them to ask, ask for a number of things. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, ask for that. Ask him for forgiveness of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Ask him to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that ask theme is continuing. And here he says, ask and it shall be given to you. So, um, what is this it? Ask and it shall be given to you. Does it mean I ask for anything I want and God gives me anything I want? Does it mean that God gives me anything that I need that I ask or anything that I ask for that matter? Is God going to provide? Well, we get a clue in verse 11 because it says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So he says, if you ask for what is good, I will give it to you. I'm not going to give you anything I ask, anything you ask, but if that is good, I will give it to you. The next phrase, seek and you shall find. Again, the translation is keep seeking, keep seeking. Just like you keep asking, just keep seeking and you will find. And here the interesting thing is, it is not like it shall be given to you or the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. It's active and not passive. It's calling us to do something, to seek something, which means we have a desire to want something. So keep on seeking. 
Now, what do you seek? Seek, obviously, good gifts. And what are good gifts? There are a number of references or number of uh, references in Scripture where you find people seeking wisdom, seeking the Lord himself, seeking that which is good. I'll read a couple of verses here. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Or the familiar verse, Jeremiah 29. I know I have the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And then catch this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So there is, a, there is, a, um, there is an encouragement to seek. Uh, and then Jesus says, you will find. So we keep on asking for that which is good. We keep on seeking that which is good. And uh, then it says, knock and it shall be open to you. Again, keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Now, what, what is that knocking all about? Knocking at the door. It's about persistence. And you ask, how do you know? If you take the passage which talks about asking, seeking, and knowing, the parallel passage in Luke 11, you find that Jesus is telling a, a parable, a story, about a man who has some guests coming to his home and he runs out of food. There is no way he can go get food, so he goes to his neighbor's house. It's late in the night, his friend's house, and knocks at the door. And his friend says, I'm in bed already, I've locked the house, I can't do anything. But this guy who needs it keeps knocking, keeps knocking, and his friend then opens the door. See, and then Jesus goes on to say, ask, seek, and knock. It is the persistence that Jesus is uh, indicating here. Keep knocking, uh, keep asking, uh, keep seeking, and keep knocking. And you're looking for good gifts from the Father. To summarize then, uh, basically we learned there, uh, keep on asking and keep on seeking for that which is good. Be persistent about asking and seeking for that which is good. Why would we need to do that if God already knows what we need? Well, verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. So unless you ask, you don't receive. Unless you seek, you don't find. And unless you knock, it's not going to be open to you. Now that raises a question. If God already knows what's good for me, because he's all-knowing and he's sovereign, then why does he make me persist in prayer? Why does, he want, why does he want me to keep doing this? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Well, when it comes to God, as to, when it comes to what God does, he has two kinds of wills. One is an unconditional will, which means God unconditionally does things regardless of, a, of whether we pray or not. But then God also has a conditional will, which means he does things in response to how we pray, which is why we read in James 4, you don't have because you don't ask, uh, or you don't have because you ask with wrong motives. So there is a response to our prayer that God does. 
which is conditional upon our praying. If we don't pray, we don't have it, as good as it might be for us. That's what you find as you look through scripture. So James 4 says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And then Jesus goes on to illustrate that with how parents and kids interact. Verses 9 and 10. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? It is unthinkable as parents, it is unthinkable for us to play a cruel joke on our kids. If they ask for a loaf of bread, you give them some, a, a piece of stone that looks like bread. If they ask for fish, you give them a snake. I mean, that's, that's unthinkable. We as parents wouldn't do that. So then Jesus goes on to argue, verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So Jesus makes a, an argument from the lesser to greater. If we as earthly parents, with our sinful bent of mind, and we know how to give good gifts, gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly Father, who alone is good, give us good gifts if we ask him? Well, that of course then brings up the question, what is good? If we ask him for what is good, he's going to give it. What is good? Because after all, our Heavenly Father gives good gifts to those who ask him. Well, remember when a ruler came to Jesus and asked him, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, good master. That's what he said. And Jesus responded to him and said, why call me good? There is not good but God. So, if we think about what is good, maybe an easy way to remember is this. Anything that lines up with God's character and God's purposes is good. Anything that lines up with God's character and God's purposes is good. And here is the certainty of his promise, right? He says, if we keep on asking and keep on seeking, anything that lines up with God's character and his purposes, we can be absolutely certain that he will give it to us. Because Jesus promises that. Because he is our heavenly father and he loves to give us good gifts. James tells us, tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God our father. Now there is another very pleasant side to it, which is this, a, a very protective measure, if you will. Just in case I, my asking is off the mark, I think something is good and I ask God for it. God, out of his love for me, since he only gives me good gifts, will not give me anything that is not good for me. Just because of my asking, and that may be wrong, my understanding may be wrong, I can trust God to give me only good gifts that which is good for me. So we have protection just in case our asking is wrong. So regardless, persistence is key to obtaining all that we need 
in order to live the kind of life that Jesus is calling us to live as we have seen in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So what are some good things that we can ask for? There are so many good things. In fact, Jesus uh, highlighted here uh, in, in these last three chapters um, what kingdom life looks like. What does it looks, look like to live under the Lordship of Christ in the kingdom obeying him regardless of our circumstances or the cost. That's what he's shown us. So in the light of that, what might be some good things that we can persistently ask God for? Uh, I want to suggest to us uh, that we ask for at least one thing. And I'm going to suggest to us that we ask for kindness. Kindness. So kindness, we read in Galatians 5, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, one facet of it, right? Uh, be, uh, we, we see that. It's uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So kindness is one piece of it. In Titus we read, when the kindness of God appeared, talking about Jesus, personification of God's kindness appearing to us. Or in Ephesians 4, we read, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So kindness is good. How can we ask? How can we keep seeking? And how can we keep knocking so that we are a kind people? That's what I'd love for us to pray about persistently. But we got to understand what does it mean to be kind? Is it just southern niceness? Or is it a Minnesota niceness if you're from up there? Uh, what is being kind? Uh, is it just being polite? Uh, no, it is a whole lot more than that. The root word from which is translated kind talks about something being useful something being so well fitted together, something being perfectly suitable for the good of something else, right? So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, that word translated easy has got the same root word. That means his yoke is perfect and suitable for my good, right? So that is what kindness is all about. So, uh, if there is a kindness scale, let's say, in each of our lives, and the scale goes from 1 to 10, I want to ask us a question. What would the scale register for each of us? Where does kindness measure for each of us? Where will it register on a kindness scale? And what might it look like on the home front, on the work front, and in church? Kindness, a, 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 a fellowship of people who are genuinely kind one to another, where they are perfectly suitable to help one another grow in godliness and goodness. So if, if, for example, I am kind to my wife, what does that mean? It means that I come alongside her and I am that perfect fit for her to grow in godliness. That the goodness in her will grow. So that would be anything that I would do will be something that is tied to kindness. 
Obviously, there are many shades to that. It would be love, seeking one another's good, etc. But kindness would be where I come alongside and I am perfectly fit and suitable that whatever I say and do promotes godliness and goodness in the other person. So let's take our marriages if we're married. What does kindness look like in married life? Husbands, will your wives say that you are genuinely kind, promoting godliness in my life? Wives, will you say that your husbands are genuinely kind? That kindness is the air you breathe in your married life. What about parents and children? Would children testify that their parents are genuinely kind? Not just nice, not just giving them all that they want, or even providing all that they need, but there is a kindness that encourages them to grow in godliness. Will parents say that? Is that the way your homes are being built? On, on a floor, on, in the air of kindness? What about our workplaces? Would, we, would our colleagues say, we are kind? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. So it is not a negotiable, it is a non-negotiable. And, 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 and Jesus calls us to be kind, and, uh, kind, heart, kind, kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, etc. So kindness is something that we can work towards. Now how do we do that? Let's persist in our asking and our seeking. We need to keep on asking that God would work in us so that the fruit of the Spirit or one facet of the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, may be evident in our lives. But it is not only praying, it is keeping on seeking. Seeking to be kind. Now how on earth can that happen in our own lives? It cannot happen apart from a constant consideration of the gospel. And what do I mean by that? Well, if God can be kind to me through sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross for my life, as wicked and sinful as I was, if God can be kind to me, there is no reason that I have to be unkind to anybody. The least I can do for him the least I can do for him, for all that he has done, is follow his instruction and say, be kind to one another and follow that all the way through. So until we recognize what God has done in our own lives, it is very hard to practice kindness, which will end up being very legalistic up to a certain point. But kindness is what God calls us to do, to display uh, the fruit of the Spirit ought to be evident in our lives if we are walking by the Spirit. So we can keep on asking God for help in that area. But then keep on seeking as well. And what do, uh, what, what do we seek? We seek to be kind and we seek, uh, seek to cultivate, cultivate that attitude of kindness in our own lives. And keep knocking, keep persisting. Since it is a good gift, since it is good because God has called it good, it aligns with his character and his purposes, we can be certain that he will give it to us if we will keep asking, keep seeking, 
and keep knocking. May God allow us to do that and let us ask him for help right away. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that gives us life, the wonderful words of life. Thank you for your word that instructs us to live in a way that pleases you, to live in a way that honors you, to live in a way that represents you well. You call us to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, and to keep on knocking, to be persistent. Lord, we recognize that in order to do that, we've got a heart, we've got to have a heart that desires that. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would generate in our hearts a desire for that which is good, for you and you alone. To that end, Holy Spirit, help us so that we may be found in this instance, we may be found as a body of people who are characterized by kindness. Kindness in our home, kindness at work, kindness at church. Help us to that and because apart from your help, we can do nothing. And we ask this in Jesus, our Lord's mighty and precious name. Amen.